What's up, soccer fans? Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Qatar. This is episode number 79, and I am ready to talk about, I said ready, not excited, but I'm ready to talk about the last USMNT World Cup qualifier against Costa Rica. They lost 0-2 to at Red Bull Arena. Obviously, a lot of US fans are disappointed, um, but I'm just going to break it down. Uh, the first thing I'm going to do is talk about the goals, and then I'll talk a little bit more about each individual player and the tactics, etc. So the first goal um, started off with a Tim Howard goal kick. He gave it away. Just wasn't a very good pass. He could have asked his defenders to come back to the ball. Um, there was like there was like no pressure from Costa Rica's side, but instead he tries to you know play a more complicated ball. And suddenly Costa Rica just strings two passes together, and Marco Arena is in on goal. Um, Cameron doesn't slide over properly, Tim Ream doesn't slide over properly, and neither of them are marking Arena's run properly, and uh, that allows uh, him to get the ball and slide it past Tim Howard uh, with a very tough angle, which, if you look at this from Tim Howard's point of view, I think that Tim Howard definitely could have leaned a little bit to the right and saved it. it. It looked like a save that he could have made at a different point in his career. Um, I don't know, like, I, honestly, I thought Tim Howard was doing decently in the Gold Cup, um, I was just not very impressed at all with what he showed today, um, from his, I mean, there was one play with his distribution that was alright, when he, uh, played a ball into Bobby Wood, but other than that, these two goals could have been avoided, I think. Which brings me to the next goal, which is way later in the 82nd minute. Uh, Jeff Cameron gives the ball away stupidly. Bad pass. Tries to get into the midfield. Terrible attempt. Marco Reina makes a run in between the two center backs and uh, receives a through ball from David Guzman and beats Howard again. Again, Tim Howard could have picked a side and made a better effort at saving goal. Instead, it seemed like he wanted to go in between the left and right-hand side and just ended up doing nothing. So, um... But of course, those those goals were not only his fault, they were defensive errors as well. Um, I think that if you're going to... Uh, probably one of the biggest things in this game that led to the U.S.'s downfall was our center back play. Jeff Cameron and Tim Ream were not good at all. Jeff Cameron is supposed to be one of our, our you know, our, our second best defender. He's, a, you know, he's Premier League starting quality. He's very you know, experience with the U.S. men's national team, but didn't get the job done at all today. Made at least five bad giveaways and really just looked lost at certain points. And um, very unimpressed with him. Tim Ream, um, you know, distribution, bad. Marking at times, bad. Um, I, I didn't mention it on the first goal, but Tim Ream did have a, a chance, like even after he screwed up, the run aspect of Arania's goal. He had a chance, like, when he was one-on-one, uh, when Arania had the, when Arania had the ball. And, you know, I don't blame him that much for that because Arania was putting the moves on him pretty well, uh, made a pretty good string of dribbles, but still um, didn't do enough throughout the game. Um, got, you know, wasn't able to keep up with Brian Ruiz a couple times. Uh, Jeff Cameron, along with his bad giveaways, you know, sometimes him and Zuzi were burned by Oviedo on that left-hand side for Costa Rica, and um, just center-back play was awful, and I know that John Brooks is a starting center-back, and this is something to keep in mind for anyone who's worrying a lot about our defense. We have two starting defenders that that weren't playing in this game. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin for Newcastle, just coming back from injury, just getting getting settled back in at Newcastle, and 
John Brooks, who was just recently bought for Wolfsburg, most expensive U.S. player ever. He was not in the game due to injury, and he'll be out for a few months, but um, he would have probably been in there. He would have been in there instead of Tim Ream. So, but still, Jeff Cameron's performance is inexcusable, and really, there should be no, like, our backup center backs cannot be this bad. I know that they're not this bad, and that, this is just a bad performance. Now, if we're looking at looking at the fullbacks, um, I think that Jorge Villafania did did do well at certain uh, at, at certain points in the game, like particularly towards the beginning. I know that he uh, uh, he cut it he cut up a, a ball back for Christian Pulisic, who just skied it over the bar. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about Pulisic and how he was kind of a letdown, but. He, Villafani was definitely looking, it was definitely getting forward well at the beginning of the game. He did stop some counterattacks, but overall, um, he made mistakes too. Uh, um, I remember the 23rd minute, he got beaten, beaten pretty badly by Brian Ruiz. Um, and, you know, as the second half started to pick up, I feel like I was seeing his name more or less and less. And um, he didn't get subbed off or anything, so uh, that, that wasn't right. Um, Graham Zuzzi. I thought that in the first half, he, he did a decent job of getting forward. He played a really, really good ball into Christian Pulisic, who in the 24th minute played a good ball into Josie Altidore, who was brought down in the box by Kendall Waston, but the referee swallowed his whistle, didn't call it, and, you know, everyone was upset, and rightfully so. Waston seemed to have a pretty good hold on Josie Altidore, but that was a good chance created by Zuzi, Pulisic, and Altidore. But other than that, I mean, I do think that Zuzi did a good job getting forward in the first half. But in the second half, he just seemed to get burned more. And sometimes he got burned and recovered for it. But still, I mean, I just wasn't very, you know, impressed with his second half performance. And I don't think that he's a, a quality right back for the U.S. to have. And, and, and DeAndre Yedlin will come back to replace him. But um, I just, you know, I, I don't see him... Uh, being a right back at the World Cup or anything like that. Um, moving forward, so the formation that we started off with was kind of a flat four four two, but um, Nagby and Bradley were the center midfielders, and Bradley definitely got back, dropped back between the center backs a little more. Nagby still had to play a, a defensive role to some extent because of the way the formation is designed, but. You know, he, he was getting more forward than Bradley, but that, that's just kind of their nature. So um, th- those two actually, I thought, did pretty well. Um, I thought Bradley did a good job sometimes stopping counterattacks, made good balls out of the back to get our attack going a little bit. Um, he had that one ball uh, on his left-hand side to Josie Altidore, who, who, uh, who crossed it in the uh, first half. And he, he just overall, I think that, you know, Michael Bradley, sometimes people like to blame him, but I think that he was one of the better players today. And Nagby was, was fine too. Um, he made some really good surging runs. Um, you know, he, when, when everyone else looked like they had no energy, Nagby looked like he did. Good player. Um, I'd like to see him, you know, even more, I mean, not even more, but cause he played all 90 minutes, but I'd still like to see him because he, he rarely puts bad performances in. Um, sometimes he's a little more quiet than other times, but uh, and this might have been one of those times, but it was still clear that Nagby was one of the most electrifying players out on the pitch. And then on the wings, we had Fabian Johnson and Christian Pulisic. I really don't know if you can call them wingers just 
you know, based on the way they played in this game. But um, Fabian Johnson did have a really good pass out of the back um, you know, in the first half. Like, Pulisic charged a really good counterattack in the 16th minute, and he might get some of the credit for that. But it really started with Fabian Johnson playing a good ball out of the back off, I think it was a Costa Rican set piece. Uh, but after that, Pulisic uh, started a good counterattack, passed it to Wood, who passed on his left to Nagby, who... Uh, you know, quickly passed it to Alzador. There was just a lot of one-touch passing going. It was a really good counterattack. And Alzador played a ball into Christian Pulisic, who uh, had a bad touch uh, on the right-hand side there and put it over the bar. So bad touch, bad shot by Christian Pulisic, which can segue me, segue me into Christian Pulisic, who I thought his end product was not good. He had that missed shot that I just talked about and one that I talked about before, where I think he slipped and skied it over the bar off a pass from Viafania. Um He wasn't really that involved as I would like to see him. I mean, I can get more into the tactics of why I think that happened but um, later in the episode. But overall, I think that Pulisic's end product just wasn't there. He, wasn't, he didn't make himself as dominant as he could have, I think. And part of that was Costa Rica was going at him a lot of the game. Um, Every time he seemed to beat defenders, they would stick a leg out and stop the attack, hurt him a little bit. Pulisic was on the ground three or four times. So, and that's going to happen. You know, Pulisic is is our young kid. He's our best player. Um, understandable for Costa Rica to, to you know, try to, not try to hurt him, but just go a little bit rougher on him. That's to be expected by, by some of this CONCACAF opposition. But um, overall, pretty disappointed with what Pulisic did today, or yesterday. Um... Up top, we had Josie Altador and Bobby Wood. Um, Josie Altador and Bobby Wood, the striking combination that I wanted, that I talked about in the roster preview. But um, I don't think that Josie and Wood had the best combination play all the time. I think that Bobby Wood's pass let him down a lot. Like, sometimes Bobby Wood has does really well to get on the end of headers, but the header is just nowhere near where Josie Altador's run is. And also at times, Bobby Wood just couldn't get a proper pass in. Like, his first touch was good, but he couldn't play a pass, um, which is definitely something that Bobby Wood probably needs to work on because uh, I think that Bobby Wood did show re- really good glimpses of play. Um, he had a really good turn in the 17th minute uh, to get around a Costa Rican midfielder so. Definitely, I, I saw some flashes of Bobby Wood. I'm not going to go as hard on him as other people I hear are. I, I thought there, there were times where he was making really good runs. Um, that, like that Howard that Howard um, long ball that he played. It might have been a, a goal kick. No, I, no, it was a punt. It was a punt. Um, Ho- Howard played a punt over the top to Bobby Wood, who just used really good pace and strength and effort to almost get a shot. Um, so... That was, you know, that was good to see from Bobby Wood, but really that's kind of just baseline stuff. I think that um, we we got to see more from him and Altidore. Even though Altidore, I thought, had his moments in this game, um, you know, once Dempsey came on the 65th minute, he moved to, like, left mid, or at least that's how I saw it, and I think that he actually did a decent job over there, better than what I expected him to do, but... Um, I think that, you know, overall, his end product could have been a little bit better. He, he just seemed to be put in crossing position a lot more uh, than anything else. And I think that's because basically how I saw this was 
Pulisic and Fabian Johnson drifted in a lot, but I don't think that Graham Zuzi and Jorge Villafania did enough to make up for the width. You didn't see Graham Zuzi making overlapping runs that well, and you didn't, or really at all. I mean, he, he had a he did get forward a little bit, but he didn't really overlap on Pulisic that much. And you didn't see that from Jorge Villafania either. So if Bruce Arena was telling Pulisic and Fabian Johnson to play more like attacking midfielders or, or second strikers, however you want to call it, playmakers, like they can do, like, like you know they're both capable of doing, then you need to have competent fullbacks that can overlap them and carry the width. Because... Like, now you're making people like Josie Altidore go on the outside and try to whip in crosses, which is, like, fine. Altidore is, like, not the worst at it in the world, but there were a lot of chances in this game where Josie Altidore, you know, w- was trying to cross it into, like, Fabian Johnson and Christian Pulisic, which is, like, like I don't know how that happens. Like, Pulisic, if he stayed out wide more and we had a number 10... You, you know, then I think that would have worked. So, or, you know, what I wanted to see before this game was have Pulisic at the number 10 and have Nagby out wide. Um, I think that Pulisic could have just made his attacking presence more felt if he was if he was at number 10. I think that, like, we see Nagby be really creative no matter really where he's playing. And I don't think, and, and him playing at center midfielder is just, like, kind of, it's just kind of takes away from like you're making him do more than he should be doing like it's not in nagby's dna to to like get back and win challenges like he's not that type of midfielder and i think that if you're going to play him either play him at number 10 which he he did once dempsey came on or play him out wide and i think he should have started out wide and pulisic should have played at number 10 pulisic our most skilled player on the ball capable of creating so much in little space like, it's hard for me to think of a scenario where Pulisic plays the number 10 and doesn't make a big impact. And we didn't have a number 10. We had a flat 4-4-2 to begin this game, which isn't a formation that I'm a big fan of. I mean, I I don't... I just don't think that either of the center midfielders were, were better than they could have been. If they, like... Or... I don't think Pulisic was, was better than he could have been because he could have been playing at number 10... But either way, I would have rather played. I would have rather played a diamond, even if it meant Nagby at the top and Pulisic still out wide, where I think he's less effective for the national team. But in the end, um, that was what he chose to play. I think that uh, once Dempsey came on, we we made a, like a pretty big switch. Fabian Johnson moved to left back, which was you know fine. I don't really, I didn't really see him do that much, but that's okay. Uh, Nagby moved underneath Wooden Dempsey, and then Alzador went out wide, and Bradley like was Bradley was on the bo- bottom of the diamond, which obviously. So um, that was fine. The other two substitutions that I didn't really get a chance to talk about were Jordan Morris coming on for Graham Zuzzi in the 84th minute, and Paul Ariola coming on for Christian Pulisic in the 87th minute. Too late, too little, too late. Bruce Arena, they absolutely got to show nothing on the field. So um, that's what that is. Um, and can we just talk about some of the stupidity that was that was made by some of the U.S. players and how it's going to cost us? So, in the 79th minute, Altidore, not even in the play, you know, not even fighting for the ball, just knocks down Kendall Waston to receive a yellow card. And while Kendall Waston fell easily, you know, whatever, 
out the door, that's not going to happen if you're not being an idiot, okay? I'm sorry, Josie. You're, you and Clint Dempsey have got to stop acting out. You're grown men. Play the sport. I know it gets heated and we get heated, but we're fans. You're a player. Now do your damn job, please. Do your damn job and don't knock over people. Now, Dempsey, yeah, great. So in the 91st minute, uh, additional time, Dempsey get his body, gets his body and his elbow into Johnny Acosta, and he picks himself up a yellow card, a useless yellow card, and if his elbow landed on Acosta's head, which it could have because Dempsey wasn't even looking at Acosta, then he could have gotten a red card, and now suddenly we don't have Aldron Dempsey for the next game. That didn't happen, but it could have. It could have if they keep on showing the stupidity. This is why the Dempsey was revoked of camp, of captain. Not a pl- His character sometimes just irritates me, and it irritates me that he is... On the national team, sometimes. I mean, I love, I love his play, but you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of that. Um, this is stuff that can be avoided. This is not tactics. This is not skill. That is just mentality. That is poor mentality. Um, and you know, I think that the the U.S. is. I, I think that the U.S. is you know mentality in this game from from a from a. Uh, a play aspect in terms of how well we approach the game was okay. I don't, you know, I think that some people are getting a little bit hyperbolic when they're saying that, you know, the U.S. just got rocked off the pitch by Costa Rica. It didn't even look like they were trying. I think in the last, like, 10 minutes, we it didn't look like we were trying that much after uh, Costa Rica scored their second goal. But, like, I, I, I think that the biggest, my biggest issues with this game are... The, the the tactics that we went in with, the individual mistakes from some of our defenders, and the stupidity of some of our attacking players, like um, when when play had stopped, that those are my biggest issues. I think that like from an individual aspect from some of the other players, you, I I think that Pulisic, you know, he was he was a bit off, but he was still putting his one hundred percent effort. I think Bradley was. I think Nagby was. I think Fabian Johnson was. I think the two forwards were. Um, I mean, basically everyone, ex- like, except for maybe Jeff Cameron, because he just seemed lazy as hell. So, I mean, don't go at the U.S. and say that they they weren't giving it their all. I've seen stuff like that. Because, I mean, the, the U.S. still did get 61% possession and still get 14 shots to Costa Rica's nine. Now, I understand that Costa Rica sat back a little more in the second half, absorbed our pressure, allowed us to get a little more shots and a little more possession. That's fine. But I still do think that they did not thoroughly dominate us off the pitch. But it's even more frustrating because individual mistakes, goalkeeping errors costed us in this game. And um, I, I don't... I don't know what to say because we're going into this next game. It's an away game. The U.S. is sitting at eight points right now in third place, but uh, we're tied on points with Honduras, who we're going to play in the next game. And, you know, we, we've we've lost twice at home. So even though Costa Rica is a stronger opposition than Honduras, it's, it's hard to say that you can just go in and win. I mean... The home record is just pretty concerning. I mean, this is the first time we've lost twice on home soil since 1958. Um, this is actually the first time that Costa Rica has won a World Cup qualifier in the U.S. since 1985. So, I don't, I don't think that Panama, or sorry, excuse me, Honduras is going to be easy competition to play. 
you know, they, they've shown better form in these last few games that they've played in World Cup qualifying. Um, you know, I, I don't think that this should be a game that we're, conf- that we're, that we're confident going into. So, basically, what I would, my message to U.S. fans is that hope that Bruce Arena switches up the formation, um, which I think he might be forced to a little bit because of Josie, because of, because of Josie Altidore's suspension, but, and also expect more out of our back line, but don't think that we didn't play good soccer at any point throughout this match. Don't think that we do not have the players, we do not have the talent to outclass a team like Costa Rica. I, I don't think that we're more talented than Costa Rica, but you can't, like, I don't think Costa Rica, like, you know, like, took beautiful soccer and just took us off the pitch today. I don't think that's what happened. And I think that we can beat this team, even though that we, we lost 6-0 on aggregate. One of those losses was to Jurgen Klinsmann. So he doesn't deserve entire blame, but... um and obviously, Bruce Arena, you know, 14-game unbeaten streak going into this game. I I did mention some disagreements that I had with his game plan going into this game, but I don't I don't uh, think that, you know, he's not the right man for the job or whatever, or, like, I'm unconfident in what Bruce Arena can do going forward. Because I think that, I think that we can switch this around. I still think we have a really good shot to qualify for the World Cup. Um, you know, if you look at it right now, there's really no way that we're going to beat Costa Rica and Mexico out for like the one or two spots, but I'll be comfortable if we can if we can finish third because I really don't want to go into that playoff round. But yeah, catching up to Costa Rica and Mexico right now, Costa Rica six six points ahead and Mexico is nine points ahead. So um, I don't think that uh, the U.S. is really going to get up there, but you know third place is just fine with me. Um. So, going to the next game, I'd like to see, I think, a 4-3-3 with Bobby Wood at the top. I think that... Now, the U.S. doesn't normally play a 4-3-3 with a playmaker at the top, but that's what I want to see. I want to see us going aggressive, taking the game to Honduras, and, um, you know, Bradley Bradley can play uh, underneath, you know, that, that playmaker, which I would like to be Pulisic, um, and he can drop between the center backs, then you can have another center midfielder in there, like... Uh, Kellen Acosta, uh, and that you know we've seen them hold before, just a two-man midfield, so they can hold with Pulisic as well at the top of that triangle. And then I think Bobby Wood at striker, Nagby out in the right, and Fabian Johnson on the left. Now this probably won't happen. I could see us running two strikers. I could see us running a four-three-three that we don't have a playmaker in, which is just like come on, like I, I don't really think that that's really any better than a diamond, but we didn't even see a diamond today. So I just hope that we don't see a flat 4-4-2 because I'm just really sick of a flat 4-4-2. And ideally, we get that 4-3-3. Ideally, I want to see Lehigh out at right back, see how he does, compare him to Zuzi. And um, I don't want to say sit Jeff Cameron. Uh, And even though I think Tim Ream played better than Jeff Cameron, we know what Jeff Cameron's capable of. So... I'd like to switch switch out uh, Tim Ream for Matt Beasler. Um, I think Matt Beasler normally doesn't make too many mistakes. He's had a couple of games where he's been a sitting duck, but um, I, I, I'm confident in Beasler and Cameron. That pairing seems fine. Now, 
let's see. We're, let's see what happens. You know, I really don't know what Bruce Arena is going to do, but hopefully it gets us a result. Hopefully we can get three points out of Honduras. Um, I'm still really, really excited for that game, and I want to see us bounce back because uh, I, I, I want to show these fans that are like we're just not talented enough. We're not. You know, one of the best teams in CONCACAF or not, like a top three team in CONCACAF. I want to show them that we are. So, um, I'm not as optimistic as my brother um, about the U.S. I don't think that I don't think that we're, like, super talented. I think that our goal, most World Cups, should be to qualify for the round of 16 if we get a good draw and everything. And nothing more than that. But this, this is kind of like a respect thing. This is kind of like an honor thing. We should not... I really do not want to go to the Inter-Confederation playoffs and obviously miss out on the World Cup, which is a, a slight possibility here. So, still rooting for the U.S., still love the team. Sorry I got a little frustrated there. I went a little fast at certain points in there. Got a little mad. I love you still, Altador and Dempsey. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm excited to see what you guys can do next. Um, I guess just Dempsey in this next game, because Altador will be out. Thanks to his uh, stupidity. But no, that's not what we're talking about because I love you, Aldron Dempsey. Anyways, moving on. Um, <laughs> I'd like to uh, talk about Mbappe's transfer to PSG. I know I've been talking like a lot about PSG lately, but um, that's just the only thing I want to talk about, I think, uh, past this U.S. game because this is crazy. PSG just took the transfer window and smashed it. Now... I don't think they're going to have to worry about FFP that much because Mbappe was brought on on a deal that has an initial loan. Um, like, so they're not going to have to pay that whole, what is it, like 200 million? I think it's somewhere between 180 and 200 million euros um, in full at the moment. But right now, they held on to Angel Di Maria, even though uh, it looked like Barcelona might get him. And they brought in Danny Alves, Mbappe, and Neymar. And who do they lose? They just lost Matuidi. And, uh, Aurier. So, uh, wait, Matuidi, Aurier, yeah, I think that's it. So, <laughs> you lose, you lose Aurier, you know, whatever, you still got Danny Alves now, and Matuidi, like, your midfield's just gonna get a little bit less deep, it's gonna get a little weaker, but they, they still have a strong midfield, and now you've got four viable attackers in Cavani, Mbappe, Neymar, and Di Maria, and, you know, you, you can slot Di Maria into the midfield too. Crazy options, crazy good talent, going to be a very exciting team to watch, and, like, I'm just going to enjoy watching the Smash teams. I'm not a PSG fan, um, but I, I, you know, like, it's just been getting a little, like, I think that smashing, like, watching teams smash other teams is fun. Like, I think my brother will disagree with me a little on there, but, like, sometimes I like just turning out Real Madrid and Barcelona and watching the Smash teams, but now we got, like, a new team to add into the mix there, because, I mean... PSG would smash teams in the past, but, like, this is going to be, like, a new level, I think. So, um, Mbappe also, 18-year-old, best 18-year-old footballer in the world. So explosive, so good. He had a really good goal in France's last uh, World Cup qualifier against the Netherlands. He, like, he was involved in the build-up, but he also had a great one-touch finish into the into the left corner, and it was just great. Um, love watching Mbappe play. He's got such a bright future, and... Um, I think that he is, you know, I love Pulisic, but I think that Mbappe is the best 18-year-old, uh, in the world right now, and he's got a high ceiling, and I think he could hit Neymar level. So, um, 
like I've said in the previous podcast. So um, really excited to see what they can do. And I mean, there were a couple other deals that didn't happen on deadline day that everyone expected would. Uh, like Diego Costa is still at Chelsea, which is like a really awkward situation after how outspoken he was about how, wanting to transfer. So that's crazy. Um, Mahrez is still at Leicester. Uh, he was linked with Roma for a while, linked with Arsenal for a little bit. Um, he's gonna, he's still gonna have to perform there, which I think he does. He will. He's a good guy, and he's not gonna like not put his full effort. I don't think. And um, also, these players still have to fight to like you know, have high wages when they transfer. So they can't just kind of like, you know, half-ass it. So um, I think that Barcelona had a pretty disappointing window. I talked about the Dembele transfer in the last episode, which is like, which is like good. Um, That's a good move. But I mean, you lost Neymar. It's a great move, but you lost Neymar, which makes it, you know, a replacement that's not going to fully fill the void of the production and goals that Neymar was, uh, was you know, putting into Barcelona. So, um, and they didn't really get anyone else. They, they failed to capture Sarri, they failed to capture Di Maria, they failed to capture Chircatinho, and uh, they, they made some smaller signings like Paulinho, but I mean, come on, I, I, I expected them to get a playmaker. Like, I think that the, a, pl- a good playmaker would have helped solve some of their issues. But um, I think that Real Madrid's now is going to run away with the title. So um, that's too bad for Barcelona. But, um, you know, I, I guess they didn't have much control once PSG met Neymar's buyout clause. So um, I, I think that the most interesting league this year from, like, uh, a Champions League standpoint like like teams that like who will make the Champions League type of thing is going to be well the Premier League's always kind of like that so I'm not going to include the Premier League but Serie A I think that like we don't know if Napoli like Napoli AC Milan Roma and Inter and Juventus and sometimes even Lazio shows I don't think they're as talented as those other teams but that's like six teams right there fighting for those top four spots and even though Juventus will probably win the title um like uh, uh, some of these teams have had great windows, um, you saw Inter uh, pick up Luciano Spalletti, one of the stronger coaches in Serie A. You saw um, AC Milan get tons of players: Adrian Silva, Ricardo Rodriguez, Halcon Chalhanglu. Hold on to Donnarumma, who hasn't been showing as well recently, but um, still very young. And um, honestly, you know, just. You saw Napoli hang on to a lot of their pieces. I think that it's going to be very exciting to see who who finishes uh, in those Champions League spots. Roma is actually the, the only team out of those uh, out of those top ones besides Lazio that that um, doesn't have six points. So it'll be really interesting to see. I'm definitely going on a bit of a tangent right now. We have an email for this podcast at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter. That's at soccerbrotherspod. Our Instagram is under the same handle. You can check us out on Facebook as well. We do this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Review and rate us there. If you have any questions, you can send those to our email. Um, thank you for putting up with me during this time when Hall is not here. Um, definitely the podcast will get a little bit better, a little bit more interesting when both of us are talking. But I've been enjoying it a lot. I think I've gotten a little better. So I'm really happy uh, to see how we're doing so far. The next episode will be covering the U.S. versus Honduras, and that'll be uh, probably on Wednesday. That'll come out on either Wednesday or Tuesday. 
since they play on t- Tuesday. So um, excited to talk about that game. Excited to keep recording podcasts throughout this club season. And I will see you guys later on episode 80 of the Soccer Brothers podcast. Thank you so much.